Can Monero be traced? Yes. Can Zcash be traced? Yes. Can anything be traced? Yes. Like there, there is not a perfect solution for privacy. Um, and Monero is not a perfect solution. But I mean, one of the things that drew me into the Monero community is that we're honest and upfront about the potential issues within Monero, about the the threat models that could uh, be at risk within Monero. Um, and I mean, if we look at, like you were talking about the, the Andy Greenberg stuff, I mean, if you look back at what he mentioned with the Bitfinex hack, there's no evidence that there was Monero tracing involved there at all. This week on Monero Talk is sponsored by Cake Wallet. Store, send, receive, and exchange your Monero and Bitcoin safely on iOS and Android too. Cake Wallet is open source and you always control your own keys. And by Stealth EX, an instant exchange where privacy is the top concern. Go to StealthEX.io to instantly exchange between Monero and 450 plus assets without having to create an account or register and with no limits. Making Stealth EX a simple way to purchase Monero with crypto anonymously. Monero Talk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever. By typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or Cake Wallet send address field to send us a tip. This week on Monero Talk. Douglas Tuman interviews Seth for Privacy, a privacy advocate and host of Opt Out Podcast. The two discuss what Seth has been up to lately with his work at Foundation Devices, XMR hardware wallets, his take on Andy Greenberg's suggestion that Monero can be traced, Monero and Zcash's susceptibility to advanced targeted attacks versus thwarting general surveillance, Zcash versus Monero, DevTax, the implementation of a trustless ZK snark approach, and a unifying Q&A Twitter spaces with Monero and Zcash community members that goes into further detail of the discussed strengths and weaknesses of the two projects. Monero Talk starts now. All right, Seth. Welcome to Monero Talk. First time caller. It's good, it's good to be here. <laughs> certainly not a stranger of Monero Talk. How's it going, man? You are, you have been a little bit of a stranger to Monero, though. I don't know. You've been uh, you've been lurking in other communities or hanging out in other communities. Obviously, you ha- you know uh, I, you've been missed. I haven't seen you saying as as many Monero things, or maybe I just have been missing them. I don't know. No, it's it's definitely true. I've just been really really busy over the last year with personal stuff and new job and a lot of things going on. Um, so Monero has taken a little bit of a, a little bit of a back burner for me. Um, not because I've lost kind of faith in it or anything like that. Certainly nothing like that, but just, uh, kind of shifted priorities a little bit. And especially with new job being focused on Bitcoin first, um, that's been more of a, more of a focus for me in, in research and discussions with other people and that sort of thing. So I've shifted a bit more to the Bitcoin side of things. Um, but still, still keeping up with Monero. I've been watching GitHub and, uh, shipping updates in the the Monero packages that I I release and keep my guides up to date and stuff like that. Just kind of a little bit more uh, behind the scenes on the Monero side of things. Awesome. How how is what is the new job? What is it? Yeah. So uh, I took over as head of content for Foundation Devices in October. Um, so a few months now, basically creating educational content for them, um, helping them to spin up a podcast, uh, blog posts. Um, 
doing a lot of uh, marketing kind of business development work with them as well. Um, but ultimately, at Foundation, we're trying to build a um, set of tools that help to empower people to reclaim their digital sovereignty. So that, that started with Bitcoin, but that's not our only focus. Our focus will be a lot more broad than that. Um, and you know me, that I have a really big focus on self-hosting, on privacy, uh, on um, self-sovereignty. So all of that really aligns with with what we're doing at Foundation. But right now, like Bitcoin sounds like they found the, found the right guy, huh? <laughs> it's, it's been a good pairing so far. It's been it's been really 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 good. Who else is on this team? Is it have they been around for a while or? Yeah, yeah. So the company was founded in uh, the beginning of 2020. Um, so they've been around since then. Uh, U.S. based Boston is where the headquarters are at. Um, we don't actually have an office; we're remote only. But Boston's where our headquarters are. Um, they launched then. They launched their first Bitcoin hardware wallet uh, shortly after, and then we just launched our kind of second edition called the Batch Two. Sometimes of Passport, which is our Bitcoin hardware wallet. Uh, the beginning of 2022. Um, so we've been around in the space for a while. Like I said, I just joined in October, but the company's been around since 2020. Um, some other, well, I guess one other big name that people would know who's on the foundation team is Bitcoin Q&A, who's been a, a staunch privacy advocate and um, a really, really important educator in the, the Bitcoin space with a focus on privacy specifically. So almost all of like the really good privacy content around Bitcoin um, was created by him. So I think especially if anyone's in like kind of the Samurai wallet crowd, they'll, they'll know Bitcoin Q&A because um, okay. he, he hangs around those parts. So he's probably the main one that people would know in like the Monero and Bitcoin communities. Um, but we're, we've been growing the team a, a good bit the past few months. Um, so it's been good to, good to see us um, kind of spread our wings a little bit, but yeah. Privacy's in man. Privacy's in here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, you're leading the wave. What, what, uh, what kind of tools and things do they have? Okay. You said that they have a hardware wallet. What else, what else are they working on? Yeah. So right now our main focus has been Bitcoin, like I mentioned a little bit before. So trying to get the financial sovereignty piece down, um, and trying to do that in a way that enables people to gain privacy as well. So we've, we worked hard even early on and implementing tools like uh, whirlpool directly into passport, which is our Bitcoin hardware wallet. So you can okay. easily mix Bitcoin directly to your hardware wallet. Uh, it connects to all kind of the, the best Bitcoin wallets, like Sparrow Wallet is always the one that I recommend. And we have really neat integration there. Um, right now, our only product is a Bitcoin hardware wallet. Okay. Um, but that really is just the launching pad for us. Um, we like to keep our, our cards a little close to our chest with what <laughs> we're working on next. But uh, rest assured, there's there's really exciting things. And, and I wouldn't have joined the team if we were only focused on Bitcoin hardware wallets, but there's a, a much broader focus on digital sovereignty um, that that is exciting, and I think there's a not only a massive need for it, but there's also a, a massive market niche that isn't being hit there um, that I think we can do in a way that's that's very approachable. Because I mean, you know, the reason why I have loved Monero so much is that it makes privacy approachable for everyone. It makes it where anyone can pick up a Monero wallet and gain strong financial privacy. Um, so that that ability for someone who's not technical to be able to gain financial privacy, to be, to be able to gain broader privacy, self-sovereignty are really, really important to me. Um, and that that's really where our focus is so that it's not just the kind of the techno elite that are getting the ability to opt out. Um, but really it's, it's anyone who makes that decision, no matter their, their kind of technical acumen. Yeah. The vision, the, I love, I love the, the vision that they have. Um, yeah, I'm very, now yeah, I'm very curious what these other tools are that you guys are working on it's gonna the only thing i'll tease is just that we're we're bitcoin centric we're very particular <laughs> in our wording 
Okay. Well, hey, what's up? You're adding adding Monero to the hardware wallet. You're saying it here first. It's going down? You're making that announcement? I'm going to officially say that for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Is that something that can't, like, there's no real technical difficulty with doing something like that? Yeah, I mentioned it on Twitter that as far as I know, you could create a firmware for our Bitcoin hardware wallet that was. Monero specific. You couldn't probably do both just because of hardware constraints. Um, but as far as I know, and from brief discussions with the team, someone could just pick up the firmware, modify it for Monero use. There would definitely be some pretty pretty major modifications necessary, but you could ship firmware that would be Monero specific on our current hardware wallet um, today. And that's something where, like I've mentioned, if someone put forward a CCS for that, like I would I would fund the hell out of that. I would love to be able to, I'd have, I'd have a second passport for sure to be able to um, use with Monero. Cause right now the, the hardware wallet options for Monero are, are kind of pitiful. Yeah. I, I'd get one, but put me on that list. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people. I mean, we've had yeah. tons of people reply to our Twitter and, and I think there's a, a real need there for Monero. Um, so it's definitely, it's something we're aware of. Yeah. Like what, what is the best option heart for hardware wallets for Monero right now? There's really no like great, super easy, you know, built for Monero option. Yeah, I think really Trezor is probably the best. Um, with the caveats that Trezor doesn't have a secure element, so they have some physical security issues. So someone got your Trezor wallet and you don't have a passphrase on your Monero wallet, they could relatively trivially, trivially steal funds. Um, so it's still better in that a remote attack, like someone having malware on your computer or something, they couldn't steal your Monero, um, when you're using it that way. But if someone physically got access to the device, there's problems, but Trezor is open source hardware, open source software. It's all verifiable. Um, they've been really, really good at staying on top of their, uh, updates for the Monero code base as well. They have some good people working there on the, the Monero app specifically for Trezor. Um, they haven't integrated directly into their, like, uh, I think Trezor Live is the name of their wallet suite, but that's good anyways, because that means that you're not using their remote node and trusting their software. Just use it with Feather Wallet or Monero GUI or, or really whatever Monero wallet you want to use there. Um, so I think that's probably the best option. I mean, for many people, I think right now the best option is just not to use a hardware wallet and just have separate cold storage that you keep the seed words for and have a hot wallet and transfer into it when you need to. Um, but I think Trezor is the best option right now. Yeah, I don't even I don't even do the hardware wallet thing, like because there hasn't it hasn't been. But like if this if this new one comes out, yeah, if, I've been waiting for somebody to to get it right. Um, what is what's like the feel among the team members with regards to Monero? Is it? I know you said you're, you're obviously Bitcoin centric. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know you're obviously friendly to Monero. Are mm-hmm. are there? Are, is everybody else friendly to Monero, or is there like a, like a debate among the uh, among the group there? I mean, I think they're like. I mean, I think we've talked about it. I know I've talked about it with other people, but kind of a, a litmus test for me on how intellectually honest a Bitcoiner is is if they are at least okay with Monero, understand it, understand the use case. If they don't choose to use it, like that's totally fine. But that's kind of my litmus test for Bitcoiners. Um, and as far as I know, everyone on the team at the very least understands Monero, understands its use case and, um, sees the use for it. Uh, I don't want to speak too much for people on the team. Um, but there's definitely a, an appreciation for what Monero does and the, um, 
the value that it, it brings to the table and the, the usefulness of it. Um, obviously, we're choosing to focus on Bitcoin first because I think this is something that I'm kind of coming to grips with a little bit too. And that just that network effect that is behind Bitcoin is important. So if people are going to come into Bitcoin, we want them to be able to, to, be able to do it in a way that is privacy preserving, that is um, actually self-sovereign where they're holding their own keys, they're running their own node, all of that fun stuff. Um, so that's definitely the focus for us. But I think there's definitely an appreciation for Monero broadly uh, across the team. That's good to hear. Refreshing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean you know me. I, I wouldn't go somewhere when everyone were uh, Monero haters or if everyone was talking about shit coins and using that that language like that. That wouldn't be the place for me. So yeah, you know, no, if I mean, I'm going somewhere, it's going to be somewhere that's very uh, very intellectually honest. It was a good, you know, as soon as I we saw, I saw that, it was like a good sign for that company, right? Like, yeah, they they got Seth on board. That, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, that ki- kind of segues into the Zcash Monero discussion, right? There, there's uh, right. There's some similar mm-hmm. uh, larger arguments that kind of basically just, re- right? The network effect. Monero's got the network effect, arguably, in the privacy coin space. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's let's... I wanted to have you on because I don't know if you have you seen even seen all the fud or you've been like in your own little world. I don't know. You probably haven't even. I haven't. If it's been recent, no, I'm, I must have missed it. I haven't really even been browsing Twitter for the past couple of weeks, at least. Oh wow! So, for yeah, you. if it's been happening there, then then I've 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 missed it all entirely and stayed happy and healthy. So. Yeah, I don't I don't want to ruin your. I feel like I'm I'm ruining your your good mood here. Burn the um, house down. I, I want to hear what's been happening. <laughs> Well, it's nothing new. It's like a repeat of the same stuff. But uh, Andy Greenberg, you're familiar with him, right? Some of his work. Yeah. Right? He's like old school um, crypto journalist. Mm-hmm. He recently published. Are you familiar with the book he recently published? I'm not. No, I've, okay, I've so. been, I, I know of it, but I haven't read it or anything like that. Yeah, he recently published a book on the, the traceability of Bitcoin, essentially. And how, or, or or crypto in general, right? Mm-hmm. On how chain analytics companies have the ability to trace crypto, and it's being used uh, by governments to, to, for example, to track down criminals. Um, and then he recently did an interview uh, with I forget her name, Laura. Laura Shin. Laura Shin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what is her podcast? Unchained on the Unchained, which is a, a very large podcast, been around, mm-hmm. also like very well respected crypto journalist. Uh, and in in that podcast, they basically you know talked about his book, but one like the highlight of the podcast is where he's basically saying that it seems like there's very good evidence. He's like, I'm just going to go out and say it. Monero can be traced by chain analytics companies. So that was like the bomb that was dropped. Which he said it in the past, I think in his in his Wired article from like a mm-hmm. year ago. Um, but it was just like seeing it out there again and Laura's like, Oh really? And like, she puts out like a short little, you know, video that basically highlights that, that aspect of the video. So it was like a bomb was dropped. I responded, typical responses, but it led to Zuko like blocking me on, on Twitter and the <laughs> Zcash community account, which I don't know who's running that, but I got to say they're doing a horrible job, not even for like for their own purposes. It's just not, it's not a good look. They, so they came out, like they tweeted that uh, I'm an end because I was like, come on the podcast. Let's talk about it. They're like, we don't associate with enemies or something. It's basically like what, what they were saying. Like, wow. so. So that like all this happened, but basically 
the you know the the fud is the same old fud is it's that Monero is traceable. So I just want to kind of like go over that, like some of the things that he he brought up. He brought up this uh, presentation that was at a conference in Italy. So I don't know if you remember that slide mm-hmm. that leaked, yeah. it's like a chain yeah, or elliptic slide. I forget who what company leaked it. But it basically uh, suggested that they're capable of tracing Monero, um, and oh, he also strongly references that IRS document that was used in the Bitfinex hack. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, from those things, he's saying, you know, there's very strong evidence that Monero is in fact being traced. So, what is your your kind of sh- short response at first to how traceable is Monero? Yeah, I mean, short responses here are the tricky part. And I think the reason why we get in these discussions with people like Zuko and people like Andy is that normally they try to condense the entirety of privacy down into a very finite box, both because it's it's catchy uh, and because it's a lot easier for the kind of the layman to understand if you just say Monero can be traced Zcash can't or whatever. I mean, that's kind of Zuko's point is normally that decoy's bad, uh, right. encryption good. Um, right. Ignoring which, all other aspects of the project, all other concepts involved in a cryptocurrency, just mm-hmm. looking at one particular element. Yeah, yeah. And and so I think if you want to shorten it down to one word answer, can Monero be traced? Yes. Can Zcash be traced? Yes. Can anything be traced? Yes. Like there, there is not a perfect solution for privacy. Um, and Monero is not a perfect solution. But I mean, one of the things that drew me into the Monero community is that we're honest and upfront about the potential issues within Monero, about the the threat models that could uh, be at risk within Monero. Um, and I mean, if we look at, like you were talking about the, the Andy Greenberg stuff, I mean, if you look back at what he mentioned with the Bitfinex hack, there's no evidence that there was Monero tracing involved there at all. Um, there's a a long thread where Fluffy Pony kind of dove into the details of the release. And it's it's very clear that the way that they traced them was that they traced Bitcoin deposits to the same accounts where Monero was deposited. Uh, and they traced the Bitcoin side of things all the way through. Um, there's no evidence in that document that there was any, any Monero tracing that happened there. They just figured out that the accounts using Bitcoin saw that there was also Monero deposited to those accounts. Um, right. And, and Fluffy- then traced the Bitcoin out of it. Yeah, Fluffy like very thoroughly went over this with Andy Greenberg. And then a year later, it's like completely forgotten. And he's out there on Laura's podcast being like... And I'm assuming Andy didn't have any other evidence for tracing Monero. I'm assuming there was no other mention. I didn't have a chance to actually watch the podcast. Those those are the the things that he referenced in this podcast as to how he's kind of concluding that Monero can be traced. And then, oh, so then I pushed him. I wanted him to come on the podcast. He... He was like kind of thinking about it. But then after I, I made some tweet, he's like, no, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to come on now because whatever your tweet. <laughs> and then, then I think I reconvinced him to maybe he's thinking about it. But probably now after this podcast, he's not going to want to do it. Um, but yeah, he's those are the only two things he was really pointing to. And, you know, he wrote this book and he wrote this article. And the article, basically, that's all the article. Oh, no, the third thing it points to in the article is the, the paper from 2017. Yeah. Um, but the the thing he's using as his strongest evidence is that uh, IRS document. 
he seems yeah, to be and it, I mean, there's like I understand the reasoning for that because that's the only case that has been ever involved where the people were arrested and it wasn't clearly stated that they were arrested for other reasons. Like even in uh, like even if you look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin is obviously completely traceable. Almost always, there's not a proper use of privacy tools when these criminal cases are involved. But usually, it's not even the Bitcoin that gets people in trouble. It's usually just kind of regular OPSEC issues yeah. that gets people arrested and, and causes problems. And this one, it actually was Bitcoin tracing that got these people um, caught. And there was this, there's this very vague mention of Monero. And then there's one hop that they talk about that's not really clear what happened there. But like, like I said, like Fluffy Pony walks through what is actually happening there. It's very clear that it was Bitcoin being traced. Um, but I understand that that's like, it's a high profile case where Monero is mentioned. So I understand wanting to use that. I, I think the, the only really interesting piece of information we've seen was that slide by uh, Italian law enforcement where they talked about that. I can't remember what the percentage, but they said a certain percentage of cases or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it was that 80% of cases involving Monero could be solved. Not that 80% of transactions in Monero were traced. And I mean, even the Bitfinex example is a great example of a case involving Monero that was solved, not because of Monero. It's very, very rare that Monero was used in a vacuum because even at, even right now, when we talk about darknet markets, most of them are still Bitcoin and Monero. Um, they're not Monero exclusively. So there's, there's usually the Bitcoin side and that's usually how people get pwned. So I understand wanting to approach it from that angle, but even then, even if you were to somehow think that the Bitfinex hack involved Monero being traced, there's no evidence of how they did that. And there's very, very clear evidence in that document for how they traced the actual Bitcoin transactions, um, which I think also should be telling. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, what do you think's up with that then? So, I mean, is Andy, you know, I, why at that moment is he not like, yeah, you know, I, I didn't mean to say Monero uh, can be traced. I guess he he does he does kind of back up on that, and he says, "Look at my article where I say it could be other things." So I'll give him that. But it, if you watch the video, it's like he, he literally said Monero. You know, I don't even want to say it. Like he literally qualified it with, "I probably shouldn't even be saying this, but Monero is is I've determined that Monero can be traced based on you know the evidence that I've seen." But I mean, I, I don't want to assume motives because I. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't want to assume that it's malicious or anything like that, but um, it is definitely odd that it seems like Fluffy Bunny did a really good job breaking down why the Bifinex hack in particular wasn't Monero related. Um, and obviously still stuck with that. I mean, it is catchy to say that Monero can be traced when it's the one thing that we have no evidence for it being traced. So that's a, it's a good soundbite. Um, but I definitely don't want to kind of assume motive there or speak to, to why he did that. Um, I'd love to chat with him about that or to hear you yeah. chat with them about it. Cause I think it'd be good to flesh out the reasons why he still believes that despite the response by fluffy pony, despite other evidence. So I'd, right. I would be curious to hear his viewpoint and don't want to assume motive or anything like that until I could hear more from him. Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted, or what I wanted to ask him, but uh, I don't think, you know, maybe, maybe he'll come on. Um, I mean, the whole, you know, so what would you, what would you say to like, uh, you know, a Zcasher or maybe somebody who's not like, hasn't been in it for too long, kind of just, just got into crypto, wanted to find a privacy coin, but is kind of comparing Monero to Zcash is leaning towards the Zcash side and is using this point to, to kind of really make their decision on why they, you know, they've, they're choosing Zcash because they think Monero's Monero's privacy is broken. Like, what would your, 
you know, in a non shilly way, like, cause I just feel like the information isn't getting out to this group of people that are, you know, perhaps maybe wrongfully choosing Zcash because of this FUD. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people are always going to be biased by their bags. So a lot of times if people just think that Zcash will do better, they'll choose to ignore the nuances of privacy uh, in order to support the bags that are involved. I mean, I think Monero people do the same thing. And sometimes we can kind of blindly back up Monero, even when there are potential issues or flaws, um, because we have a vested interest in it. So it's something we all have to be careful of. But I think that's a a piece of it. Um, I think, I mean, the main thing I would say is that there is absolutely no evidence of widespread traceability for Monero. Um, There's no technical evidence for that in all of the research that's been done on Monero, which there has been a lot of research, both internal and external to the Monero community, um, on trying to trace Monero. There's no evidence of broad traceability. Um, There have been, like you mentioned, there's a really old like 2017 article that did some tracing on Monero, which was far, far back in the past when uh, the actual privacy protocol was much more um, in its infancy and was not nearly as as complex or nuanced as it is today, not as powerful as it is today. Um, but there's not even there's not current evidence even of specific cases of Monero being traced in targeted cases. Which the like if we want to break down Monero's privacy, a lot of the way that I talk about it is I talk about that it provides privacy from um, dragnet surveillance. Right. From surveillance. Uh, almost perfectly like that that is the really the the beautiful part of monero is that if someone's just trying to collect data on all monero users they can't it's basically impossible they can't statistically trace through transactions without tons of external data um there's not a way to do that and that really is the the place where most people benefit the most from financial privacy most people are not going to be targeted by law enforcement by governments uh by criminals they're not going to be uh, they're not going to be attacked by these very targeted specific attacks that could be done against Monero. Um, they're really just trying to gain some privacy so that they can choose what they want to reveal, what they don't want to reveal, and they can spend their money how they want to. For that, Monero is perfect. It works great, uh, better than Zcash in many ways because there's such a broad crowd to hide in. Um, so you have a lot more transactions to hide in. You have a lot more um, users using exchanges, a lot more nodes on the network. There are a lot of benefits to the the broad network effect that Monero has. Um, where Monero is not perfect, but is almost always good enough, is even under targeted surveillance. And targeted surveillance is like this very advanced threat model where, I mean, take the Bitfinex hackers, for example. They stole billions of dollars in Bitcoin and they tried to get away with it. That is a a very advanced threat model because they have the FBI, they have multiple governments, they have lots of people trying to target them specifically and surveil them specifically. So in that case, there are things that could be done on the Monero side that could provide some increased probability of guessing correctly on their transactions. But that also involves the person who's targeting you being on both sides of the transaction. So like they have to have sent you Monero and then received that same Monero output from you again, uh, which is all chance. And if you have a wallet with lots of outputs, they may never get that output again. Um, There are ways to protect yourself against that, which there's not kind of a clearly laid out approach, but generally sending funds back to yourself 
uh, multiple times with random time intervals between will prevent that kind of guess from being 100% accurate um, and will allow you to, again, hide in the crowd that's provided by Monero's ring signatures. Um, but even in those targeted threat models, we have zero cases, zero known cases of law enforcement or a government or anyone like that being able to trace through Monero, um, which especially as Monero's usage has grown on darknet markets and in ransomware, I would expect to have seen that by now. So the two assumptions you can make are either Monero can't reliably be traced, even in a targeted, very advanced threat model situation, or Monero can be traced and they're all keeping it perfectly quiet and hiding it from legal documents, from court documents, et cetera, in order to keep that capability under wraps, which is possible. And that's kind of the tinfoil hat approach to, to why there have been no cases. But I think the more realistic answer is that even in these very advanced threat models, even in the Bitfinex hack, which did involve Monero, there's a lot of Monero used in their attempts to evade the police. There's no evidence of Monero being traced. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good example of how, even though there are technical ways that the ring signature approach in Monero can break down under very targeted surveillance, it hasn't actually happened in the real world because it's so specific and so hard to actually pull off that type of attack against a specific individual. Yeah, it's like cash, right? I mean, cash, if you're, if you're being pinpointed, um, if the government's coming after you, the, the privacy that cash offers <laughs> it can, may break down as well, right? Um, and I mean, you could say, I'm sh you could equally say the same thing for Zcash, right? I mean, is Zcash resistant to targeted you know, attacks? I mean, if, if used properly, Zcash user? if you're only in Z addresses, if you're only using Zcash in the proper way, if you are running your own node and not using a, a light wallet, which is the common approach to, to Zcash usage on mobile and others, then yes, I would say Zcash is, is very resistant to even targeted attacks. Um, and that this is what, like, this is what Zuko talks about every time he gets the chances ring signature is bad, encryption right. and zero knowledge proofs good, which doesn't tell the whole story because Monero uses encryption just like Zcash does. Monero uses zero knowledge proofs right. in a similar way that Zcash does. The difference is that with Monero, we use this thing called ring signatures, which anyone who's familiar with Monero knows this. I'll explain it really simply just for anyone who isn't. But that means that your output when you go to spend is one of 16 potential outputs. And the recipient doesn't know which of those 16 is the true output, um, and no one else on the network knows which of those is the true output. Uh, sorry, the recipient does. No one else on the network knows which of those is the true output. So you gain strong anonymity. You hide in that crowd of 16, and each of those 16 outputs has its own history that has 16 outputs before that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Quickly branches into something that's, that's practically impossible to trace through. In Zcash, you don't have ring signatures. You have something that's called a... Uh, a complete anonymity set, which basically your transaction could be any transaction within that Zcash pool. Um, so that's the whatever the current protocol of Zcash is, your transaction, the outputs in it could have been any one of the outputs that were part of that pool any time from the when it started until now. Um, and there's no way to gauge precisely which one that is. Again, that's only if you're properly using Z addresses only, if you're properly sending Z to Z only, then you do gain those privacy guarantees. And I mean, 
this like very simple and again this only really matters for this very very targeted attack but it, it is helpful there to take the approach to zcash has taken and this is the reason why i've been one of the people kind of pushing for the uh um the implementation or the exploration of sorry just a second my phone is freaking out now and sending twitter space audio through <laughs> Um, this is one of the reasons why I've kind of pushed in the Monero community for us to explore implementing a trustless UK snark approach to that that membership proof, which basically what I would love to see is that we implement Seraphis. Seraphis allows us to have much better uh, modularity. The ability to upgrade specific pieces of the protocol becomes much easier. And then we're able to implement this trustless ZK snark piece for just replacing the ring signature portion of the Monero protocol. And that would provide, that would continue to provide all of the other guarantees that Monero has where stealth addresses hide the recipient of transactions. Um, or encryption, right? So yeah. Monero, Monero yeah. Does, does use encryption. It is encryption amounts, which also use encryption and zero knowledge proofs right now. We hide those amounts. That would continue. And we just replace the ring membership piece with the trustless ZK snark approach that Zcash uses. And in my eyes, that would make Monero the perfect protocol against every attack um, and it would be far and above superior to everything, uh, even Zcash on a technical level, because you'd have such a broader anonymity set to hide in because there's so many more Monero users than there are Zcash users. So there's a reason I've been pushing that. It's been awesome to see some really, really good traction behind that uh, GitHub issue over the past few weeks. So it's definitely something where I'm, I'm optimistic that that will actually happen. And that will, I mean, again, like I said, there are zero real world examples of even a targeted attack working against a Monero user. But that will even better protect those targeted users. And again, I'm not doing this because I want to see criminals succeed, but because I want in an adversarial environment us to be able to have privacy, even if a government were to target us for being a Monero user or holder um, or because we're of a, a race or religion or something else that's being attacked by a government. I want Monero to protect you, even if they know that you are a Monero user and they want to try to use Monero to trace uh, to trace things that you do with it. So that's why I'd love to see that. I think it's something we'll we'll see in the Monero protocol in the next five, six years, hopefully. Um, and that would mainly just erase the last piece of FUD that's possible against the Monero privacy protocol, um, but also in reality would provide some stronger protections for these very advanced threat models. Do you love coffee and Monero as much as we do? Consider making gratuitous.org your daily cup. Pay with Monero for premium fresh beans, and if you like what you taste, send a digital cash tip directly to the Guatemalan farmers that made it possible. Proceeds help us grow this channel, Gratuitous, and Monero. Yeah, it seems like that you know the because Monero isn't perfect today in this one way that it's critically it's critically flawed which doesn't make any sense because i mean zcash what you know it's it's changed it's evolved over time it's become better so uh, was it critically flawed at some point when it had its trusted setup so like why is it no longer yeah. flawed now right because according to their definition once something is right like so it, I mean, and, and arguably that's much worse than what we're dealing with, right? Because it's... Yeah, I mean, and the, um, the rampant use of 
IFTTT addresses, which are totally transparent and provide no privacy. That was the right. vast majority of network usage until uh, the most recent upgrade. Um, even now, there's still T address usage. It's it's lower than before, but yeah, it's it's certainly. I mean, it's it's throwing stones from a glass house, um, and it's it's frustrating because we really should be on the same side. We should be able to work together towards protecting users' privacy, to aid each other in research, to aid each other in uh, cryptographic techniques, for uh, helping each other with the ways that we build privacy protocols, the way that we protect our users. And there really should be a camaraderie there. Um, but again, I think it's the, the financial side of these things that just blinds people um, and makes people want to be tribalistic rather than um, kind of uniting for a common good. Uh, and that's, that's definitely not to say that every Zcash user is, is bad or hates Monero or anything like that. Um, but there's definitely a kind of a broad sentiment that's I think problematic within their community, unfortunately. Um, and I've had quite a few interactions with their community with Zuko. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tricky and it's frustrating because Monero is an immensely powerful tool for privacy and for freedom. And it is providing privacy and freedom to far, far more users than Zcash or any other cryptocurrency today, more than even Bitcoin in a, in a financial privacy sense. Um, so it's, it really should be recognized for that. The obvious ability for the Monero community to come together to upgrade the network and improve over time has been proven since the beginning of Monero. That's always been the goal. Like, there are so many reasons to believe that even if this is a flaw with Monero, and I think it is a flaw, but not a fatal one and not one that affects most people and maybe even affects no one because there's no real world cases of this tracing being done. Um, it's still something that I'd love to see us fix. And I 100% have faith that the Monero community, the brilliant researchers, the brilliant developers will fix this one last flaw. And at that point, Monero's privacy protocol will be practically perfect from a cryptography standpoint. Right. And it, it did it in a responsible way using the technology it had at the time that was properly vetted and implemented it in a, in a you know, a trust, trustless way. And now that new technology is evolving, Monero is looking to implement it. Um, and it's, it's done it before, right? It's, it's, it took confidential transactions from Bitcoin devs, right? And, and the, this is, I think one of the made the major strengths of Monero, the Monero project, is its ability to evolve, but yet stick to its core ethos as it does it. Yeah, yeah, and do so in a way that doesn't sacrifice decentralization, that doesn't sacrifice trust. So we we want to maximize privacy for the user without sacrificing those things. And like you said, that's why we haven't jumped on this ZK snark train because there were massive sacrifices that you had to make, both in decentralization, because nodes would be much harder to run, in scaling and light wallet usage. And then the trust factor was big until this latest upgrade for Zcash in that you had to believe that this trusted setup was done properly or else funds could be minted infinitely. Um, so it's it's very much like we're not just blind in the Monero community. Like we, we understand the events that are happening. We have absolutely brilliant researchers working on Monero and we know what's going on out in the space. We know that there are advantages to ZK snarks in a very specific yep. way but we're not going to implement them both before it's ready broadly and before it's ready for a Monero. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, we're not going to rush into that. We, I think have struck the perfect middle ground between the ossification of Bitcoin and the willingness to just rapidly iterate and potentially harm users of something like a, a Zcash or Ethereum or those sorts of things where we're, we're cautiously optimistic about the way that we upgrade the network. And we do so in a very, very smart, slow way um, that 
continues to provide all of the things that users need, but we don't rush to do things in a way that will uh, open us up to a kind of a world of potential harm for for users, for the network, et cetera. Yeah, by the way, uh, not to go off topic, but I know you'll be at Monerotopia. Um, I don't know where you're, I don't know what your talk's going to be on, but in, in addition to that, I would love for you to maybe uh, host the panel with all the devs. And I want to be, a, you know, basically a panel on the, you know, the future of Monero's, uh, you know, technology, right? Talking about these, all, all these ways in which Monero uh, is thinking about uh, evolving. Uh, it'd be mm -hmm. great if you're the host of that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, I certainly hope to be able to. I'm still trying to 100% nail down that I can come in person. I really do want to. Oh, shit, really? So, we're not, we're yeah. not nailed down yet? Oh, no. Yeah, I thought so. I'm just trying <laughs> to work out right now. everything with conferences this oh, year because no, I have some for work as well. There, man. So. I want you running that panel. I know, yeah. I know. We'll I'm, I'm Luke, hoping we'll to. We'll have Luke on it. We'll have uh, Justin Berman. Nice. Uh, we'll have Co on the panel. It would just be cool to ha openly have the devs talking about like this topic, for example. You know, oh, yeah. the decoys, ring signatures, using Zcash's tech to do it. Like I yeah. want to see that convo take place. Yeah. I know that it's it's happening in the forums, but it'd be cool to to witness it. Yeah, I'm certainly hoping to to make it down in person. I really, really want to be there. Uh, yeah, anything we can do, let us let us know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I was just thinking too, like, you know, the, and I, I don't want to make this, you know, uh, a anti Zcash thing in any way, but, you know, that, that, that tweet, that tweet that Zuko had sent years ago where he basically said, you know, Zcash is, is as private as we need it to be essentially to preserve our liberty and for it to use the digital cash. But in those instances where we need to know who's doing what is basically like he, he very, like, was that a, what was he getting at with that? Because I mean, that seems to go right to the heart of what you were saying earlier, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're not trying to protect criminals, mm -hmm. but you realize for this thing to be resistant to, to you know, state level attacks and, you know, for it to actually exist without being co-opted or controlled or in any way, it's going to have to work under all conditions and for anybody, the, the criminals and the non-criminals alike. Do you think he's like changed his thinking on that or when he said that it's not what he, I mean, this is something I would love to, you know, talk to him about if he ever interviewed, but what would yeah. you? I, I think he didn't mean it in the way that he wrote it, but I think a lot of times he shouldn't be on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. I, I really appreciate all that he's done for the the privacy space, for the cryptography space. Absolutely brilliant person. Um, but there's just a lot of stuff that happens on Twitter that isn't, I don't think is helpful for, for him or Zcash. Um, and that was one of those instances of him saying they can make Zcash perfectly private, but also traceable for criminals as well, which isn't how privacy works. And he knows that, like, I think it was just a kind of a wires getting crossed thing. So like, okay. he, he understands that about privacy. And I think that's, that's why Zcash has continued to iterate into a model where, Hopefully, long term, there will be no way to use transparent addresses on Zcash, and it'll be Z to Z only. Um, I definitely, I, I do think that that's their goal. I think they could have gotten there a long time ago, but some other motivations have have stopped that. But I certainly don't think that he wants to build a tool that has a backdoor or anything like that. Like that's that's not his intent. And yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to him about it. Yeah, clear the air on that. 
And then, yeah, so the, what, what is the hesitation? I mean, with the addresses, it's just so they could, you know, sort of exchanges can easily add them, right? They don't want to, but isn't that kind of like bending the knee to, to regulators and stuff? I mean, so isn't that, yeah, are, are I mean, saying that, I mean, I'm sure when we go into the con, you know, when we go into the Q and A, if there's Zcashers out there, they could maybe better explain this. But is it that you know the entire community is on board with this idea of deprecating the transparent addresses and moving over to Z addresses, or is there like a debate there and people want to keep it for purposes of being able to, uh, you know, easily be a part of the traditional system, KYC yeah. system? No, I mean, I think there's only two potential motivations. It's either that you want to be able to pitch Zcash as okay to regulators, or you want to be able to more easily enable exchanges and hardware wallets to implement Zcash. But the problem with both is obviously, I think if you're doing it to bend the knee to regulators, that's a garbage reason. Uh, and you should be, you should feel very bad about yourself if that's why you are sacrificing the privacy of users. I don't think that that's the reason um, for Zuko or other people in the Zcash team, uh, even though they try to use that regulatory angle sometimes in their their marketing and other stuff. I think the real reason is that if they went Z to Z only, it would make the life of exchanges and hardware wallet providers more difficult because the approach taken in Zcash is much more computationally intensive. So it's quite possible that current hardware wallets couldn't actually do uh, Z to Z only Zcash, so they wouldn't support it. Um, and exchanges couldn't as easily support Zcash because it's much more resource intensive to to run nodes and process those transactions. Um, that's one of the reasons why Monero has not implemented their specific approach to the membership proof, why we've kept ring signatures, is because they're way more efficient than Zcash transactions. They allow us to, to build more efficient, more easy to verify transactions, which is really important for decentralization. Without, we're not sacrificing users' privacy by going transparent or anything like that, but we're just using something that still provides really, really good uh, protection against dragnet surveillance and good enough protection against targeted surveillance um, in order to not sacrifice users' privacy, but also still have uh, decentralization. Obviously, we're not doing it so that exchanges and hardware wallets support Monero. I think that's a that's a nice bonus. Um, but we're doing it so that people can easily run nodes, so that people can easily easily use mobile wallets, etc. And that's one of the reasons why we've waited on implementing things like Zcash's approach uh, until it becomes efficient enough to be worth it. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the Zcash reasoning that I've heard is that it's to placate uh, exchanges so that they'll continue supporting it and to placate hardware wallets so that the kind of crappy hardware wallets that are out there today can support Zcash as is. But rem remember that that means that everyone who's using exchanges and using hardware wallets is necessarily using the transparent portion of Zcash, which right. provides zero privacy and is worse than Bitcoin because there's no other privacy tools on top of Bitcoin and there are far less users. Um, so you are... You are necessarily sacrificing your users' privacy and harming the privacy of the network as a whole in order to placate exchanges and hardware wallets, um, which, in my opinion, is a very bad idea. I've had lots of discussions with Zcash people about that and explained my reasoning in detail, um, but that hasn't obviously changed things. I think they've made some good changes in trying to make Z to Z only more of the default uh, just from a client perspective where wallets try to do things in a more privacy preserving way uh, with their most recent update. Um, and I, I applaud that. I think that's been a great change and makes Zcash at least a usable uh, privacy tool. 
Um, but as long as you're wanting to kind of bend the knee to exchanges and keep one foot in the legacy system and one foot in the new system, you're going to keep sacrificing user privacy as a result, which is, is unfortunate. And again, I mean, like I don't, I don't hate Zcash. I think from a technical perspective, it's, it's interesting from a privacy perspective. It's very, very interesting. Um, but the, the issues like this cause a lot of problems and make it very hard to recommend as just a, a privacy tool for a privacy advocate. Um, and that's, that's where things get sad. Cause I, I would love to, I mean, obviously I love Monero, but I'd love to be able to say like, if for some reason you can't get Monero, Zcash is a good tool as well. Um, but I still can't really say that about Zcash. Damn, man, you went harder than I would. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it, it's really, it hurts me because I, I want Zcash to succeed purely because I want even the users of Zcash who somehow don't come across Monero or don't choose to use it to gain financial privacy and to gain financial sovereignty. Like I, I'm not in this for Monero to win for there to be one private money. I, I don't really care. I mean, obviously I would love for Monero to win just because of all the hard work that's gone into it uh, from so many brilliant people over the years. But it's something where I would love just as a privacy advocate to be able to say you're using Zcash, like awesome. You're getting really right. good privacy. Right. You're, you're winning in the financial privacy sense. Um, even if you look at like the monetary economics and other stuff with Zcash, I don't like, but just from a privacy perspective, I'd love to be able to say that. And they're getting closer, but I would love to see them fully commit to Z to Z only for the sake of their users to ensure that if anyone's using Zcash, they are gaining privacy. Uh, Cause right now it's still a blurry line and blurry lines from a privacy perspective mean people get harmed. How about the, I, I really, I, it's funny because I titled this is Monero traceable, which we, which we talked about, but now we're, now we touched we're on we it. are talking about <laughs> it, but we, whatever, this is what we're doing. Uh, if Zcashers want to jump on in the Q and a, we could, we could hash it out there, but like the, the dev tax, or, I mean, I don't think Pete, I don't, I think they even see that as pejorative when you, when you call it a tax. Uh, but just this idea that, you know, Zcash is, is funded that way and, you know, arguably leads to perhaps a more centralized system of, you know, those that are, you know, controlling this, this protocol and benefiting from, from its growth. Um, what's your, what's your response to that? Cause I do think that's something, right. So like Zcash, it because yes, great. You're using Zcash. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's private, but are there other, you know, issues that are, are that are still lurking there yeah i mean i'm uh, like you said i definitely don't want to kind of spend the whole time bashing zcash and I, I think i'm less of a hater of the the dev fund or dev tax approach than most people in the monero community i think the way that it was done in zcash isn't optimal um but i think that there is certainly an issue with funding in the in the free and open source space more broadly uh, and in the cryptocurrency space as well. When a cryptocurrency is properly decentralized where all funds do go to miners, there are funding issues. I, I think with Monero, we've been able to kind of sneak by with the CCS and have done a good job where people are just stepping up and funding things. I don't, I still don't think I've ever seen a CCS proposal fail to get funding, um, which is magnificent. And that goes to show how, amazing the Monero community is because that's all voluntary donations. Um, but I don't think that that model is sustainable long-term and there are centralization issues with the CCS model as well. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's certainly not a silver bullet, but I think that the, the beauty of the approach that Monero has taken is that it is 
opt in from a financial perspective, where if you want to give back to Monero, you can choose to do so. If you don't want to, you aren't harmed and there's no, uh, there's no added inflation against you because everything's just going to miners who usually have to sell to the open market. It's the same beautiful system that works well for Bitcoin. I think that the the idea of a dev fund that goes directly into a pot to be very specifically used for funding development is actually really interesting. Uh, and if we could do the selection of how funds are spent and the custody of funds in a decentralized way, I would much prefer that model, honestly, to the CCS model. Um, I think that it would be some kind of governance cleaner. Yeah, it, it gets it gets really tricky. And even if you do some sort of governance, like uh, I think that governance and DAOs are still a very much an unsolved problem. Because like even uh, another cryptocurrency that I, I really appreciate some approaches taken is is called Decred. Uh, it's one that I contributed to a while in the past and yeah. um, have have dove really deeply into. But they have a system like that where there's a certain percentage of every block reward that goes into a pool uh, that's held by multi-sig custodians. But there's a a way that users stake funds to actually vote on how things are spent. Um, and it works reasonably well, but they also have the problem where it's a tyranny of the rich in that there have been many times where votes have been swayed at the last second by whales because they're able to just vote with their wallets and push things through that that they want to see. So even that, if you do like a, a stake-weighted governance system, it has core problems. CCS can have similar problems where if someone puts up a CCS proposal that the community is broadly against, if it gets through that initial stage and gets into funding required a whale can just come in and fund something and make it happen, um, which I think is less harmful because it's coming from the whale that wants to fund it rather than coming from a, a pot that's been filled by uh, block rewards. Um, but there are still issues there. So I think I got very off track with talking about the Zcash yes. dev fund, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, broadly speaking, I don't think it's a terrible idea. I just think that the core problem with the Zcash approach is that a lot of the money went into the pockets of people who started Zcash right. uh, and in, incentivize them to try and build Zcash from a monetary perspective instead of from a, a protocol perspective. So um, again, I don't think that there were malicious motives behind that. I think they were very well-intentioned. And I think like Zuko, even with the latest licensing debacle with how they're licensing Zcash now is very well-intentioned because he sees the problems with funding in the open source space and is trying to find a solution to it. Um, but I think that even though we share a share a view in where the issues lie, the actual implementation is something that that I think is unfortunately incorrect uh, and doesn't doesn't work well for its users. But I think like when you're looking at Zcash and Monero, if you're looking for them as only a means of exchange, if you just want to be able to to spend privately, that doesn't really matter to you as a Zcash user. Um, but if you're trying to use it as a way to store wealth, it should matter to you. And all of the other pieces of Zcash or Monero come into play if you're looking at them for not just a way to spend and store a little bit of money, but as a way to actually store value. You need to understand how is consensus reached? How is funding happening? Uh, how is protocol development happening? How is security happening? Um, all of those things become much more important if you're actually using it to, to store wealth long term. Great response, man. Great response. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Decred. Some, uh, somebody from Decred is going to be at Monerotopia, actually. They're helping us out with the conference a little bit because they're nice. local. To, uh, Who was it? City. Uh, I forget his name. Sunita, what's uh, the guy who's helping us out? Elian. Elian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
I knew him from back in the day. He probably doesn't remember me. I went by uh, a couple different M's back then. But uh, yeah, he's a good guy. Seth for privacy days. Pre pre Seth for privacy days. Yep. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. This was this was fantastic. I feel like uh, we we covered a lot of ground actually. Um. I mean, I feel like we covered it already, but the, yeah, the, the real thing I wanted to, was the, that Zuko presentation, but you, you kind of went over it already where he was really just adamantly opposed to uh, a decoy system where he thinks yeah. that it's kind of a vital flaw. And I think um, if you watch his video... The vendors, right? Like the, yeah. the, the attack, right? With the, It's like, that very specific example that is a potential problem within Monero. Um, and I think it's it's chosen because it's the one example that has some real world real world merit. Um, again, there are zero real world cases of this tracing being used, but that specific attack is something that we've known about for years. We've been trying to solve. Uh, it's very, very difficult with a decoy model, just like he says. Like it, That is 100% true. Um, but the problem is he extrapolates that and is saying that Monero is traceable and Zcash is not, and so Monero is bad. And that that ignores the rest of Monero's privacy protocol. It ignores that amounts are hidden and addresses don't exist on chain, which means that in the vast majority of cases, even if the ring signature was completely useless, they couldn't easily trace funds. Um, so it's really, it's an oversimplification to be the means to an end, unfortunately. It's, a, it's not something I like seeing, and the the real thing that we always have to get to the bottom of with looking at different approaches to privacy is we have to spend time in the nuance. We have to spend time in the weeds because there's just not a simple two word answer for if something is perfect or not perfect, everything has flaws. Um, and while Monero does have that one very specific flaw, something we've known about for a while, it's something that the recent ring size increased from 11 to 16 directly affects and improves. So it's it's less of an issue now than it used to be. Um, but it, it is something that's an issue. And if you want to go back, you can look at mentions of this Eve, Alice Eve attack from way back when. I mean, Justin, uh, I think Sarang and Surai, I think all talked about the Eve, Alice Eve attack in a video for breaking Monero. Must have been four years ago now, maybe five yeah. years ago, yeah. a long time ago. So, like, we know this is an attack, but the problem is the solutions cost more than they're worth uh, until at least very, very recently cost more than they're worth. And the actual real world impact of the problem is extraordinarily minimal. And even if you are that person that's under targeted surveillance, there are ways that you can protect yourself in that specific targeted eValiceEve scenario uh, within Monero. So really just has been something we've known about. We are slowly iterating to improve on when there's the, the magic bullet, we'll implement it. And I think that this, this trustless ZK Snarks approach may be that for us down the line, but it's not something that we need to implement today. And there's relatively simple ways for people to protect themselves against that right i mean you, you kind of mentioned it earlier right Just yeah kind of i mean i'm i'm wary of saying that they're perfect because there hasn't been a very concerted effort to research how effective the techniques are under targeted attack um but the the simple answer is if you fear that someone will do an evaluative attack on you i mean i think and maybe a good example that's not darknet markets would be if you were selling uh bibles in china and you knew the Chinese government knew that you were selling Bibles and they wanted a way to prove it in court, which they wouldn't need to prove it in court. It's China, but whatever. Um, if they needed to be able to do that, they would send you Monero to buy a Bible from you. 
then when you went to deposit that Monero on exchange, which I don't think there's Chinese exchanges that are supporting Monero, so this this is breaking down quickly. But <laughs> if you went to do that and they were colluding with the exchange, they they were talking to the exchange about every deposit that they got, and they looked at that, uh, they could see that you were the one that did that. And if you did it multiple times specifically, they could see that you were the one that was selling Bibles. If you're using this KYC exchange that has your identity, which that's a whole nother part part of the problem that you can solve separately and that you can use decentralized exchanges. You can use exchanges that don't have identity attached uh, to prevent that piece from being a problem. But even if you don't do that, uh, if when you receive funds, say you, you sell a Bible, you take those funds and you send them back to yourself eight hours later, you send them back to yourself three days later, you send them back to yourself 12 hours after that, you do it in a random way that's not easily connected to like the times that you're actively responding to comments in your web store or something like that, something that's not easily uh, corroborated with other information that creates this giant tree of potential uh, branches that are taken by the output that you were sent. And by the time you actually take that output and send it to the exchange, they have no way of tying it back. There is not a direct link at that point anymore between the government agent who bought a Bible from you and the exchange Instead, they can see that one of the potential paths was that that output ended up with them, but they can't even see that that output directly ended up with them anymore. So that that's generally called sweeping funds, or um, there's another term for it that I, I can't think right now, but that's really the, the approach that can be taken. Again, there's not really concerted research that's been done around that, but that's kind of general consensus is that that would resolve that issue. So if you were under targeted surveillance, Sweeping funds to yourself periodically is a way to to go ahead and um, resolve that, and that, as far as we can tell, would resolve that issue. Can't say it's perfect necessarily, um, but that would at least cast a lot of doubt on any sort of tracing through that. And again, that's only in that very targeted scenario where Eve is on both sides, where they're the ones sending you Monero and the ones receiving Monero immediately after. Um, if you're just using Monero regularly, you do not need to worry about that scenario. You do not need to sweep funds to yourself. It's not something that you need to be concerned with. Right. So it's where you're the vendor and they're attacking you by sending you fake purchases as, mm -hmm. you know, as the attacker. And then also, like you said, you're on the other side and you're in cahoots with the exchange where they're sending their Monero off the vendors, you know, sending their Monero off to at some point to, yep. to whatever, liquidate it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I would think that would be, would all become general knowledge pretty quickly for those that, you know, are concerned about that type of thing. Right. I mean, yeah, I would think so. I'd be curious to kind of dive into that dread so. and the dark net and, and see yeah. if there's mentions of that. Um, I haven't, haven't done research on that specifically, but that would be curious if that's kind of commonly recommended on like dark net markets or something like that. We should go, you know, we should post the link to this there, you know, watch this video before, <laughs> you, <laughs> before you do anything on the dark net, before you create your, your, you open up your vendor stand over there. I, I will um, add, I'm not condoning criminal activity. Just to <laughs> just to be clear here, I'm talking about how you can protect yourself against unjust persecution. But yes, yeah, they might be selling Bibles on the dark market, man. They could be. It's a legitimate yeah. use case for dark net markets. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I think that that answers it and covers it very well. Um, I mean, but th that is maybe like the criticism, like you know. So is it irresponsible for the Monero community? to say they're, you know, they're protecting your privacy. They're a privacy coin when there is this scenario. Is it ir irresponsible to like, 
you know, be out here promoting Monero when there is some scenario where a dark market vendor can improperly use it. No. Right, that, that's kind of kind of like what the criticism comes down to. Yeah, yeah, and it's a ridiculous claim because, like I've mentioned, I think a few times through our discussion, no privacy tool is perfect. There are always caveats. There are always potential issues. If you look at Zcash, there are potential issues. If you look at Signal from a messaging perspective, there are potential issues. There have been attacks. Uh, there are ways where if you just the person who's in a group with you screenshots the messages, they can share those, and no encryption can protect you against that. There are always potential flaws with privacy tools. Um, and as long as we are transparent about those flaws, and as long as we're working to fix those flaws, that's the important thing. Uh, and obviously, as long as those flaws aren't critically breaking privacy for every user. And obviously, in the case of Monero, they're not. Monero is providing excellent privacy against dragnet surveillance and good enough privacy against targeted surveillance that we've seen zero arrests, zero court cases, zero mentions of direct tracing through Monero, um, which speaks for itself that the, the tool is working. And I, I use the same litmus test for privacy tools on Bitcoin. When we look at Wasabi Wallet and Bitcoin, there are hundreds of cases that have funds being traced through Wasabi mixing. Chainalysis and other uh, firms like them sell tracing for Wasabi Wallet. When you look at Samurai Wallet, there are zero instances of arrests made with funds that have been uh, properly sent through uh, Whirlpool. Sorry, we back? Yeah, yep. All I saw first was you just moving your eyes for a second. <laughs> I think I died for a second there. Um, you were, yeah, yeah. I mean, all those same things apply. There are always issues. We need to be aware of the issues. We need to talk about the issues. We need to try to solve the issues. Um, but you certainly cannot toss the the Monero baby out with the uh, the Eve Alice Eve water, if you will. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I think uh, I think that now would be a good time to jump into the spaces. We could do some Q and A. I'm sure if there's some Zcash people, they could they could ask the, us the tough questions. Uh, Monero people can you know ask uh, Zcash questions. Um, Seth, anything you want to leave the audience with in a, in a general sense? I don't think so. I mean, just really. I'm thankful for the tool that Monero is for freedom. It's a immensely valuable one. It's one that I use most days. Um, it's one that I will continue to to pitch and push, um, even if other focuses pop up for me. And it's it's one where I'm extremely thankful for everybody who continues to to work on and contribute to Monero. Um, I'm super excited for protocol changes in Monero. I'm super excited for events in Monero like Monerotopia, Monerocon again this year. Um, it's a it's a really exciting time to be in Monero. So I'm looking forward to the the community growing and it's been great to see lots of people pop up to replace the things that I was doing in the Monero community um, that I've kind of had to step back from a little bit. Um, so it's it's encouraging to see those signs uh, and I'm excited to keep using Monero, excited to keep uh, helping Monero grow hopefully and uh, thankful for everybody who's, who's pitching in and, and helping out. Yeah, I'd say it's it's pretty active considering we're you know in a pretty long bear market here, right? I feel like the Monero community we're used to bear markets chugging along, right? It's like nothing changed. We ignore price, no. and, you know, whether it's high or low. It's like so it's just head down, mm -hmm. forward. Um, man, that's that's bad news that you might not be making it down there. I guess we'll, we'll talk. I know, about I know. I, I didn't want to spring that live when you mentioned it. I didn't want to just like 
ignore well, it and, and you, move you on. Do a virtual. Uh, At the very least, I want to do virtual. If if you'll have me, obviously, I'm not going to force you to do that. But um, at the very least, I'd love to to present virtually. But I'm I'm hoping to make it down. It just might be a kind of hop in, hop out kind of situation if I if I do. It's it's heating up, man. We got a lot of speakers, a lot of. Pro- Remember, like last year was jam packed. Yeah. This year we're doing two days, but it's literally just as jam packed. <laughs> like I started with the starter. Like we're starting. Actually, it's three days. We start on that Friday. We're gonna start at like six. It was gonna be a welcome party, but nice. We have so many people we're trying to fit in. We might start doing talks on that evening as well, just so we can spread it out. Because that that was that was intense last year. It was a uh, it was an exhausting day. It was really <laughs> so day. Now it's gonna be an exhausting <laughs> three days. We tried to spread it out, but we just ended up with a lot more speakers. Do you know what your talk might be on? Do you have a... I, I think I want to talk about community, actually, and go away from kind of the technical side and kind of focus on the, the Monero community, kind of the, the good, bad, and ugly, and talk about how community can help Monero to grow moving forward um, and some things that we can do, avoid. I think that'll probably be the focus just because that's kind of been, been top of mind with me with um, how deeply I've been a part of the community for so long. Um, so I think that'll probably be it, but still subject to change. Uh, and if a super interesting topic comes up, I'm, I'm definitely game to cover that as well. Yeah, we might have one uh, Zcash-related guy giving a talk. Ian Sexter? Yeah, Sek Myers or something like that, I think is what he goes by on Twitter. Sexter. He was like, he was. I think he was in, he was in charge of their communications at some yeah, point. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about, actually. But he, he, yeah. Yeah, I was talking, he might want to do a talk, like uh, some of these things we were talking about, basically like the, you know, governance models and, you know, currency caches. Yeah, to, to yeah I think that'd be good. It's always good for us to be exposed to, to yeah. other ideas and approaches and find what works, find what doesn't, and yeah, yeah learn from it. Awesome, man. So yeah, let's uh, let's jump over there. So anybody that's in the spaces, now's the time to, uh, you know, request to speak and we'll get you up. And yeah, Seth, if you could just make your way over there, just close this out and I will see you on the other side. All right. Okay. Seth, I think is running to the bathroom. (laughs) He'll jump in here in a second, guys. Uh, JW, hold on. Let me get you up here. All right. Body. Let's get body up here. Andrew. Nice. We got Andrew up here. We got some Z cashers. JW, what's going on? Hey, Doug. Hey, Seth. What's going on, boys? Seth, I think stepped away for a minute. So, yeah, just just give him a second. Oh, he's is he added as a speaker? Yeah, I think he just stepped away. Um, JW, what'd you think, man? What was what's your uh, what's your take? On what you heard so, yeah. yeah yeah i appreciate um, i'm a <clears throat> i listen to you and seth both i appreciate seth's uh you know measured comments and i think some a lot of a lot of nuance which is where this discussion needs to be you know mm-hmm. that was a big that was an issue i i shared with you just testing if y'all can hear me hey, seth. and if i can hear yeah. you hopefully everything's working well yes we life. got you can you hear jw I hope he can, but go ahead, JW. I think he could hear you. Yeah, so uh, I, I I think that uh, Andy's uh, appearance, you know, he did what book authors often do, right? Which is which is sell books, 
and and I don't you know begrudge him for that. But if you read the book, uh, and you should, both you should. There's a passage where he's interviewing his protagonist, the IRS guy that's his main guy. I think the one that's at Binance now. And uh, and the guy says, uh, yeah, chain analysis says they can track Monero. That's bullshit. Um, so he pretty clearly comes out. He's that's a that's a contrary point to to you know he's he's kind of. Uh, I mean, you think the book makes the point obviously that Bitcoin is traceable, but it doesn't really dig much into Monero other than referencing the leak of the Monero presentation. So uh, anyway, I just I, I think that's interesting. Uh, and and more nuance in the book than there was in the you know in the sales pitch on Laura's show. Yeah, um, but yeah, that that's my understanding as well. I definitely will read the book, and uh, yeah, I, I wanted to read it and have him on and talk talk about. It. But yeah, you know, like it, it makes you wonder too. So like, yeah, why why is he leaving that part out? In, you know, in his when he's out there publicizing it, you know. Yeah, well, you know, in the whole kind of the cypherpunk room is dead was was way over the top. Um, but look, here's what I kind of think about things. I'm new to the Zcash community, uh, but I have a lot of respect for Monero. And uh, and um, I would say I own a lot of both, but I don't want to say what I own in case there are feds listening, right? You never know. Uh, let's just say I have respect for both communities. And um, uh, I think it's regrettable in the past that there's there's been a lot of negative commentary from both sides. And I think Seth hit on that. And with this... What, the, what these two communities kind of remind me of, because I respect them both and what they've developed, it really, I, I keep thinking about my favorite sci-fi show, Counterpart, if you've ever seen this, but the premise is that um, this experiment opens up an alternative dimension that at first is exactly the same, but because the two dimensions interact with each other, they start developing a little differently and those things ripple out. And then two things happen. One is that when Counterpart's actual the, the the people the copies of each other meet in person they usually tend to not get along because they're so similar uh, and then the other interesting thing is that as time goes on and the differences in both universes change they develop uh trade and information a, a whole economy of trade and information because they each make you know different choices across everything going on in the world a little bit differently and so they have a ton of gains of information from trade. And so there's this, this economy of information trade between the two worlds. And it, feel, it feels like that's the story of these two communities, uh, that uh, different design choices were made at the very beginning, but from people working from the same, the same focus of trying to fix Bitcoin's failed promise of anonymity. Uh, and, you know, Z, Zcash wanted to, the community wanted to get the cryptography perfect uh, and, and, and was willing to sacrifice you know, usability for that. And Monero kind of went to war with with what they had, uh, and did uh, you know continued iterations, continued improvement as Zcash has done as well. Most of the fud of both projects or the critiques are all based on stuff that's very old. And I hear it from each community going at the other. You know the um, critiques of Monero from the Monero traceability paper, very old, very you know the pre Ring CT. In the same way, the issues with T address prominence on the Zcash side are changing very quickly over the last year with a million Zek in the shielded pool and Zcash's anonymity set isn't so much transactional as it is the pool itself. So that's a huge change to that historical issue. So I just feel like that's the case. And I feel like diplomacy links trade is, should be the story of our future, you know? And I feel like it's good that we've, we've got people going over to Monerotopia. I feel like y'all should have people coming over to Zcon. Um, and, and we should be funding stuff together, ZF and Monero's, Grants program should be funding projects together. We fund some stuff for tour. 
Um, I feel like that's our future. So I don't know if you guys want to help build that. That's why I'm here, dudes. Let's do it. You know, love it, man. Love it. Um, wow. This is what we wanted, right? We want, we wanted to create some bridges today, which I, I don't think I was doing a great job of it in the talk, but, uh, JW, you're doing a fantastic job of it right now. Seth, Seth, uh, what's, what's your response to that? Yeah, good to have you on here, JW. And I've had a lot of good interactions on the past on Twitter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. I, I hope that I was a bit uh, even keeled in my critiques of Zcash. Um, and I, I think pretty up to date in the specific things that I mentioned. But it is definitely something where I, I don't like the continued negative back and forth between both communities. And it's been fortunate that most of my interactions with the Zcash community have been overwhelmingly negative. Um, so it's kind of tainted the way that I view that, uh, but it, it's something where I've, I've also had some really good recent interactions with with Zcash community members. Um, so it's something where I, I would love for us to be friends united against a common enemy. And I do think that we have a, a common enemy of the, the surveillance state of surveillance capitalism um, and of fixing the things that are broken with Bitcoin and giving people really solid options to to preserve their privacy. Um, and to have different approaches to do that. And I think one of the really unique things with Bitcoin, with, uh, with Zcash and Monero is that because we do have such kind of ideologically different approaches to solving the same problems, we also really can provide some uh, diversity in the sense of protecting users from different things, being uh, resistant to different types of attacks, um, having kind of a an alternative option. Like I, I love to view Zcash as an option where if for some reason Monero was proven to be totally traceable, but the different approaches taken in Zcash wasn't traceable through whatever that, that method was. And this is all hypothetical, of course. I would love to view Zcash as kind of a, a fallback and something that I could use in that uh, adversarial environment. So that's something where I want to see more of that. I think there's a lot of a lot of room for us to to talk and learn from each other, from the Monero community to learn from the Zcash community and vice versa. Uh, and especially on the funding side, I think there's a lot of fascinating things that that could be done there. Um, but yeah, yeah. Thanks for the comments, JW. And looking forward to getting more into the nuance. It's it's always hard. It's always tricky. I hope it didn't come off as too negative towards Zcash from the top, um, but happy to get into more details on any of the things that I mentioned and kind of break down my views a little bit more too. Hey, I'd love it to go into a detail. Go, go for it, Andrew. Um, Sure. Um, first of all, I just want to say I really appreciated um, your talk, and I'm excited about the you know bridge building efforts. Um, I learned a lot from the parts about Monero. I'm really interested in um, you know ring signatures and the direction that you're all headed. And I think I like agree with Zuko broadly that the you know full anonymity set uh, you know approach is better. But I like but I'm really glad Monero exists, and I'm even a fan of the um, you know decoy based ring signature protocol in the direction that it's going. Um, the main part I wanted to push back on and talk a little bit more on into some nuances on the like uh, you know spectrum of options for um, say optional shielding versus mandatory shielding. I mean the way that I view it, it's all boils down to client defaults because even in Monero, the protocol allows you to create viewing keys. So if you wanted to do something like accept Monero and just publish you know the whole details of your wallet, you could do that through viewing keys. I think the case is just that. Um, you know, and that's, <clears throat> that's analogous to explicitly using T addresses in, in Zcash. So, I mean, I think it comes down to client defaults, just in the sense I don't think any Monero wallets particularly make it easy or encourage that, um, you know, kind of usage case. Like you could figure it out through menus, but it's not encouraged. Whereas, 
you know, the early Zcash wallets, except since Y Wallet became the most popular one, you know, wouldn't uh, uh, you know make it as easy. They would make it easier to get T addresses by default. Um, so, I mean, uh, yeah, and I appreciated you mentioning the direction that our wallets have gone. Like Y Wallet now is the predominant wallet. And, um, you know, the unified addresses thing pretty much makes it more obvious to use Z to Z only now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm interested in the discussion further, kind of. I mean, I see these as like two different nuances. And maybe the last thing I would say before uh, handing it back is, um, uh, you know, I think the outcome matters. I think it's totally right to credit, you know, the, the larger usage base right now of Monero as, um, you know, actual privacy delivered, you know, count that against the... Um, uh, you know, relative strength of the, you know, shielded pool versus decoys and what that might entail. Um, so, you know, to the extent the setting user defaults, one set of user defaults maybe leads to more utilization of the privacy mode. Um, you know, that could be, I, I think it comes down to a threshold, but um, that's the spectrum the way I view it. Yeah, I can, I can respond to that a little bit. Um, so from the perspective of comparing view keys to Zcash's T addresses, I, I think the key difference is that for a very long time, T addresses were the default in many wallets. Uh, not all wallets, like you mentioned, but many wallets, T addresses were the default. And they're also the only option when interacting with exchanges. So there are key areas where you don't have even the option of using privacy. You have to reveal information in order to use those tools. Same with hardware wallets broadly as well. Um, whereas with Monero, view keys are a, an optional tool for you to reveal information about transactions that happen within your wallet. It's not something that's protocol level. It's not something that you can even, I mean, you could technically publish it on chain in TX Extra. <laughs> that would be a terrible idea, but it is something where you can opt out of privacy. And that is a vital, vital tool. No matter what tool you're building for financial privacy, I think you need the ability to opt out because it allows you to have specific use cases where you can reveal that information. I mean, a perfect example is the Monero General Fund, where it's donations that are made and people want to be able to view transparently what's happening there. If you didn't have view keys, it would be a black box. No one would be able to, would be able to tell what's happening with funds, uh, and it would be very detrimental to the, the broader Monero community. So there's something where view keys need to exist. They need to be an option, but they're, they're different from T addresses because they're not something that is a core piece of the protocol. They're just a piece of wallet software that you can then publish that key if you want. You can share it with one person or you can never use it. Uh, but it's never like it's never a direct option when interacting with a hardware wallet or anything like that. Um, the other piece about client defaults, 100% agree. I mean, and this is, I've been quietly singing the praises of Zcash since they started to shift more towards private by default. I mean, it's something that I've been pushing for for a long time and I've talk to Zuko about, talk to other people within the Zcash community. Uh, and I'm glad to see that progress. I've been speaking about it. Uh, there's an article I've written that's not under my name, but I've written that essentially says that I think that Zcash is a, an interesting privacy tool now that the defaults in many clients are Z to Z only. Uh, and I think that that is, is something that's vital. It's, it's a good step in the right direction. I don't think it's complete because you still have T address usage. You still have leakage when going to exchanges. You still have issues with hardware wallets. Um, and it's not necessarily the default on every client. The, the reason that I care about protocol defaults over client defaults is that they ensure that no matter what client you're using, you're abiding by a basic set of privacy rules. And that means that if, if I tell someone, you should use Monero, it's privacy preserving, it'll help you. I don't need to know which wallet they select in order to trust that they are getting strong privacy because the protocol itself enforces that privacy. 
But if I tell someone you should go use Zcash, it's privacy preserving, it'll help you. Depending on which wallet they select, it may or may not provide them privacy. Depending on who they interact with and what wallets they're running, it may or may not provide them privacy. That situation is getting better, but it's not a protocol default. So there will continue to be options where people are revealing privacy. And it's it's hard as a privacy advocate to recommend it because they may or may not be getting privacy from Zcash, depending on many factors. But I am really excited to see that continue to improve. And I'm hopeful that one day Z to Z only will be a protocol default as it, it should be. Um, and that will ensure that no matter what client people use, the clients have to abide, abide by consensus rules and they have to provide privacy by default. I love the idea that you touched on like best practices, basically like a standard, basically for what it means to, you know, expose on you know, uh, uh, the privacy by default um, to users. I mean, it seems like you said that that's a protocol enforced thing. I don't see how that's a consensus protocol enforced thing. Uh, yeah, Monero, Monero enforces privacy at the consensus level. So in order to build a transaction that actually abides by Monero consensus rules, it has to have ring signatures, it has to have the amount hidden, it has to have stealth addresses used. All of these things have to be done in order to build a transaction that actually nope. passes consensus and can be included in the blockchain. But I mean, it, it doesn't prevent you from like just leaking your, your view key in the same effort or with a tweet at the same time. No, but again, that's true of any privacy tool. Zcash would be the same. I could give you my seed and you would have full visibility into my wallet. It's the same with Signal, which is a fantastic privacy tool. But if you're the person on the other end, or if I add you into a group chat and you screenshot everything that's sent, the encryption, the privacy is pointless at that point. There are always ways to opt out whether they're part of the protocol or not. It's the same situation that's happened with like uh, with mempool full RBF in Bitcoin. There were always ways to re replace by fee. It's always going to be an option because there's always an out of band way to do things. But it's important to set strong protocol defaults to enforce that when you build something that matches consensus, that actually abides by consensus, it does these things in the right way and not leave it up to clients because clients have to abide by consensus rules. So it's a way to ensure that even if someone is building a really crappy client, they have to build it in a way that's privacy preserving because otherwise they can't create transactions that can actually be included in blocks. And I'll let it go after this, but I, I mean, you're, you're saying you can't keep clients from exposing view keys. To me, that seems like you're acknowledging that uh, both Zcash and Monero to the same extent, the consensus protocol cannot force them to use privacy, only have it as an option. No, they're forced to use privacy on-chain no matter what. If they expose view keys out of band, that's a, it's a separate issue. The same thing could be done with any privacy tool because there's always out-of-band ways to expose information. That's, a, that's an issue because there are always ways to expose information willingly. The problem is that in Zcash, it can be done very easily. It can be a default in clients because transactions that are not privacy-preserving still meet consensus within Zcash. But you have to build transactions in a way that are privacy-preserving in Monero and you can choose to use a view key and give that out if you want. That's a, that's an important thing that, that needs to exist in the protocol. Um, and we're, we're improving on the actual granularity you have when you use a view key so that we can limit the amount of information we give out and enable some unique light wallet approaches around that. Um, but it's something where you need that option. And it's, it's, not, it's not analogous to T addresses and Zcash because those are still consensus abiding transactions that are transparent. Whereas view keys are something that you have to pass out of band to allow visibility, and it's completely opt-in. All right, thanks for that. Fantastic yeah, little debate there, discussion. Uh, Gary, Gary P., go for it, man. 
Um, I think Julian had his hand up first, so I'll let him go, and then I'll speak after. Or I'll ask my oh, question I thank after. you. Julian, go for it. Uh, thanks a lot. Um, uh, I hope you can hear me. We yeah. got you. Uh, nobody, yeah, so nobody comes in. First of all, uh, thanks a lot for the uh, technical background. Uh, I, I kind of like, like understood it the way before, like in the same way, but it was really, I think, a very good summary of like the trade-offs also between uh, Monero and, and Zcash. And so, yeah, and like, but the main, the main thing I wanted to say, I think that was also said before in, in, in some way uh, is that uh, I think like that the privacy community is, is super small and like I would say 99.9% of, of all cryptocurrency space is like number go up and no matter what actually. And 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 uh, then there is this big Bitcoin sect, which basically says like, oh, uh, yeah, like a holy Bitcoin and nobody is, should do anything else. And like and everything is all about that only. And, and no matter whatever Satoshi said or whatever Satoshi did, it's like, like basically the correct thing. And like you are not allowed to even like talk about alternatives. And so there's a very small community of people who, who really care for this like true self-sovereignty progress i would say and so I, I think it's i think it's a very important step that that like like we try to not not wage too much war uh, instead uh, like between each other and like uh, between different projects and let's just see that like there are different trade-offs and, and some of them are like yeah some of them will yeah they just exist um just one uh, comment to to what was discussed before um I think um, regarding uh, the, the, the public addresses and, and Zcash um, and exchanges, because like like if you use it correctly, maybe I understand it wrong or maybe I oversee something, but I would say if you use it correctly, in the sense that you like withdraw from an exchange to some newly created uh, public address and then you directly shield it and send it to your shield, shielded wallet, basically then I don't see what, what additional information leaks this way because basically the exchange already knows who you are uh, because it's a KYC exchange, for example, and like they know your additional address, which you only use for one transaction. That's not really useful additional information, right? So, yeah, that's all. Thanks a lot. Seth, you got a response to that? Yeah, sorry, I was fumbling with my mute buttons. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think your your point about exchanges is true in that if you withdraw to like a T address and then you immediately shield funds and you don't spend immediately after, um, there can still be solid privacy there. Uh, and that's that's one of the things that is again good about Zcash when you when you do use it properly, it provides very good privacy. Uh, and that's that's not something that I debate or speak against. It's something that I appreciate about Zcash. Uh, it's just that. If people withdrew to a T address and only used T addresses at that point, or if they left funds in that T address and then they only moved into the the shielded pool the moment they needed to spend to another user, there are ways to trace through that uh, due to timing analysis. So it, it just can cause problems because there is the, the optionality. Um, but if someone uses things properly, and especially with the defaults that are starting to, to shield automatically when funds are received to transparent addresses, um, that situation is, is certainly getting better. Uh, and again, that's where I, I would love for it to be a protocol default. So no matter what client you use, you can only receive funds to a shielded address and you don't have those those other potential issues. Um, but for now, if you're using a, a good Zcash wallet that shields by default, 
that uses unified addresses that does all of these these recent improvements in the Zcash protocol. Um, you can you can gain good privacy even with a, when a, when withdrawing from a KYC exchange. Uh, there's always the issues with KYC exchanges of them them knowing how much Zcash you have that you hold Zcash, etc. So even in that case, even with Monero usage, I advise people to avoid KYC exchanges. But um, having strong privacy once you withdraw is definitely a, a key benefit and something that's important. Good stuff, good stuff. Gary, go ahead, man. Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah, Julian already touched on uh, some of the points I made, or well, mainly the observation that uh, that there's a lot of uh, like little unique clicks going on within people who are advocating for Zercoins, especially Bitcoin. He, there seems to be a very hardcore zealotry going on within that community that turns a lot of people away. And um, my main thing, what I, what I'm, I mean, I, I do believe in Monero. Uh, I don't really have to believe in it, but um, you know that's the great thing about it. And there's a lot of sober-minded people in this community on as far as practicality. Not everybody is, you know, just gonna stick with Monero because you know they need to preserve their bags at all costs. It seems that the people are much more pragmatic. So my kind of my question not really a question but just uh kind of a general thing to put out there is how can we get privacy and the need for it into the minds of the broader community just in crypto i'm not trying to like onboard people into web3 or any of uh any of that kind of thing i think that crypto is very difficult for people to use that you know outside of custodial wallets if they're not used to it or not taking the time to really go into all the technical know-hows that are required, but how can we get people to want to have privacy be a priority when they're transacting on chain, which should be a thing. I mean, I see Monero, it's like 24 on market cap. I mean, the coin itself for what it does and what it provides, I think it should be in at least the top 10. And there's a lot of coins that are, that really provide no utility that are up there, Doge being one of them. <laughs> but um, anyway, yeah, just how, how to bring the community to a wider, get more adoption within the crypto community as a whole for Monero or just any privacy coin in general or privacy in general. The uh, million dollar <laughs> Doge question, JW, go, go for it. Yeah, so to that point, um, you know, one of the one of the unfortunate events that that I think is probably going to awaken uh, crypto users to the need for privacy is uh, going to be uh, look. We've already seen the the in the United States, the IRS send John Doe summonses to the exchanges and just do a kind of a data sweep from there for enforcement actions. And and, and you know they do the they do the you know come in amnesty, tell on yourself, pay the fine, that kind of stuff. Um, given what I, what I've learned on Seth for privacy show and, uh, in, in, in a number of venues, um, it seems like, it just seems like the crypto community, so much of the crypto community is in, in, in the DeFi space is just unaware of the, of the information they're leaking. You know, if they're not using VPNs, if they're not, um, so I think the next thing the IRS is going to do is a similar kind of sweep to try to link. Uh, ISPs to, to DeFi transactions 
uh, and they're going to come after people that way. And I think that's the next kind of awakening, unfortunately, that that is going to lead people to 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 want to learn more about privacy. Um, and so I think we need to be ready for that and have tools ready for them when that happens. Um, I'm trying to do some stuff that that uh, on 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 that side of things to teach people how to use these tools and how they interact with law. I'm doing a book about it. I'd love to hawk the book, by the way, on Doug's show and on Seth's show. Um, but I think that's the next big awakening moment is is the IRS coming after DeFi, unfortunately. Very interesting. Yeah, JW, we'd love, love to have you on when you're, when you're ready. We can talk about the book. We could, when, when is the book coming out? So it's still being written. Uh, so it's going to be a year, 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 year and a half. But I'd love to just talk about the issues. Um, because you know, I think the, the the threat to privacy, even if some of the other issues with securities, commodities, and banking are fixed, and they're not going to be fixed anytime soon, uh, the privacy issues in the IRS threat is just going to keep coming. And you have you have a background in like the regulatory side of things, correct? Yeah, yeah, uh, securities, banking, law, and accounting, forensic accounting. Um, so I, I, you know, the IRS is still pretty dumb, but they've got eighty thousand new IRS agents. They've got a crypto-specific um, uh, institute they're setting up to teach them about it. So I think they're coming after DeFi, and and I think that's where we need to be ready to protect people and, and have tools where people can protect themselves by default. Very good point, Seth. Go ahead. What, let's uh, let's hear your response to how we how we grow privacy privacy coins. Yeah, I mean, I think. Two quick things. One of the reasons why I love, again, just privacy by default tools is that you don't need to care about privacy to gain privacy. I think it's one of the the most important pieces with building out tools where if you just use the tool for any other reason, if you're just a Monero miner, for instance, you care nothing about privacy, you just want to mine Monero because you have some, some computers lying around or whatever, you're gaining strong transactional privacy and you're aiding the privacy of other people who are using Monero. Um, so I think the, the first one is just building tools that work well, that also happen to be private by default. Uh, Signal, I think, is another great example of that, where I have lots of friends and family who use Signal with me. Actually, all of my friends and family use Signal, um, and most of them don't care about privacy broadly. But they like Signal because it's like iMessage, but it's cross-platform. Uh, and you can do all of the things you can do in iMessage. And obviously, I gain the privacy. I understand it. That's one of the reasons why I push them towards it but they gain that privacy by default without having to think about it, care about privacy, et cetera. Um, I think the other one, uh, JW nailed it on the head. Ultimately, most people wake up to the need for privacy when they get burned, when someone they love get bur- loves gets burned, or when they see some major event that shows them that privacy can be a serious issue. Um, and we've had those types of events. We've had the, the Freedom Convoy in the Bitcoin space. We've had the tornado cash sanctions that will people up to the the aggressive stance against privacy that the u.s government has um and things like that will be catalysts that wake people up uh, and that's ultimately how most people will wake up but in the meantime i think building the tools so that they're easy to use people can use them without understanding privacy uh, and then building out resources education etc so that when people wake up to the need for privacy and they start to jump down this rabbit hole. It's a very easy, straightforward process. It's not something that's convoluted or technocentric or anything like that. Good points. Good points. Body, what's going on, man? One of the best quotes that just came out of this whole conversation was uh, Monero. It runs the dark web, but I just use it to sell Bibles in China. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I had, um, I guess I had two questions for Seth. One of them is regarding Zcash and one of them is regarding Monero. The Monero question is more complex, so I'll, I'll save that for a second. Um, so when I chat with people about Zcash, about the trusted setup, they'll always say, well, we, they hard forked in Halo, so now that whole problem is fixed. And I've, I've kept pressing them to try and understand this better. Um, and the best I can figure out is that all transactions that happened after the hard fork, the Halo hard fork, ensures that there was no collusion to secretly print coins. But every time that I ask them about, does that fix the problem for all the transactions before the hard fork? Can you guarantee that before the hard fork? I never get a clear yes or no answer. And there's been at least one of the people I talked to, I felt like was connected to um, the Zcash Foundation or somehow officially part of Zcash. Um, so have you been able to figure that out? I'm working on the assumption right now that it doesn't solve the original problem for the past four years, or maybe it's five or six years now, um, where, where you can't guarantee that there was no printed coin. I, I think Halo only works for after it was forked in, but have you been able to figure that out? Yeah, so you, you are right that if there was collusion in the trusted setup and coins were minted, that could have happened uh, before the implementation of, of Halo 2 and this this trustless ZK-SNARKs approach that's now live in the Zcash protocol. The way that they work around that uh, is essentially that when they transition between shielded pools, when they upgrade the protocol, they do what's called a turnstile, where in order to upgrade your outputs to the latest shielded pool, you go through a turnstile that reveals the coins, makes them transparent, makes the amount transparent at the very least, and then reshields them in the new shielded pool. And what that allows them to do is to make sure that no more than the expected amount of coins go through into the new shielded pool. Um, the key problems with that are it doesn't prove there wasn't inflation, uh, and it could mean that just the person who inflated the supply is the first through that turnstile, and other people could have coins left behind. If that had happened, I think it would be likely that we would have heard about it because ultimately the the attacker would have had the most incentive to rush their coins through the turnstile, and then you would have heard people complaining that they couldn't go through the turnstile afterwards um, because it wouldn't allow more than the expected uh, amount of coins in circulation through. And uh, as far as I know, that didn't happen, so I would expect that there wasn't actually a collusion and a, a money printing or inflation issue um, pre-Halo 2. But that's kind of the approach that they take. So no, there's not guarantees, but they use the turnstile approach to try and at least force supply at that point in time to meet what is expected. Man, that's very interesting. I, I wish that the Zcash people had told me that because <laughs> that makes sense. It's like, okay, well, if there was collusion, the attacker would have the best incentive to get through the, the doors first. Um, or I don't know, maybe they could just stay in the shielded pool and um, try and cash out that way somehow. So, okay, my other question um, with Monero is, is about um, the uh, Eve, Alice, Eve attacks. So I've actually had a, a few friends ask me now where they, they want to pull coins off an exchange, um, they want to pull Monero off the exchange, and then they want to send it to another exchange. And so like, well, you know, so, okay, that's, I've anonymized my coins now, and, the, you know, the other exchange doesn't know about me. Now, my working assumption is typically that if I'm pulling coins off of any exchange, I just assume they're probably reporting to chain analysis. Probably there's a few of them that don't, like Cake Wallet, for example, although they're not an exchange, um, they don't work with chain analysis. So that seems like, you know, there's an Eve, Alice, Eve attack that could happen there. And so, like, I kind of tell people the same thing, like, okay, if you have a bunch of outputs you pulled from the exchange, at least um, 
at least consolidate them and then turn them a couple times randomly over the course of a week before you send it to the other exchange. Um, otherwise, they'll like almost certainly be able to tie you your identity there. Um, do you have any other ideas or, or um, things that people can do when they're going between exchanges like that to, to better protect their tracks, protect their privacy? Um, at some points, I've even one time I uh, with a good friend of mine, I swapped outputs with them so that they could have, you know, the same amount of Monero, just different outputs so that um, they would be able to deposit to, to an exchange and still be anonymous. Um, what kinds of ideas and things can we do? Can people do to, to protect themselves when moving from one exchange to another? Yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're definitely right that that is a potential evaluative attack. It is important that both exchanges would have to collude in some way or that, like you said, they both have to send the data and it'd have to be the very specific data on the transaction structure, the outputs involved, et cetera, to Chainalysis or the IRS or whatever, that would have to be pooled and eventually corroborated. Um, but if there is collusion between those two, they can link you between the two. If both are KYC exchanges where you've given you over your ID, it doesn't matter anyways, because you've given up any privacy at that point. They know that you're the same person. So whatever you do in between doesn't really matter at that point. Um, but if, for instance, one is a KYC exchange where your identity is connected, you buy Monero with fiat, you withdraw, and then you send it to some sort of decentralized exchange like BISC or whatever to say you want to swap for, for Bitcoin. If you do do that, like like we talked about on the show, like you mentioned, if you just go directly from exchange, wallet, other decentralized exchange, and the person on the other side colludes with the original exchange, they can tie that together. Um, what you mentioned about churning is, like I said, like it's the loosely recommended best practice there's not concerted research behind it but that approaches the kind of the general consensus on what can improve things um the only caveat i would say is is you said uh to combine outputs and then churn when actually that can harm your privacy because there are ways in which when you combine lots of outputs within monero it can give some more statistical certainty to who you are if multiple of those outputs are owned by one person or sent to you by one person. Like if you if you withdrawn five times from an exchange, you have five other outputs in your wallet and you make a transaction that includes all five of those outputs from the exchange, they know that that's you and then they can assume that one of the other outputs is, is yours and the other things. So it's generally best if you're churning to actually sweep individual outputs. So like the individual output that you got from the KYC exchange, receive it to your wallet you sweep just that specific wallet, which means you need to use a more advanced wallet like Feather Wallet to do that. And you sweep that one individual output to yourself once, twice, three times. Like I said, there's no concerted research on how many times is necessary. Probably two to three times is ideal with random timing intervals between. And you sweep just that one output multiple times. Uh, and then you spend funds as you want after that. That's generally the best protection. Again, that only matters if you're specifically being targeted for surveillance. And the simplest approach is just to never touch a KYC exchange. Because if your identity is never linked to your uh, transactions, even if those exchanges corroborate and or collaborate and figure out that you're the same entity, they still won't have an identity attached to it. They still won't have any information about other Monero usage that you make. So. The most important thing you can do is just not use KYC exchanges. But if you do, then then churning individual outputs two to three times or something like that uh, is generally kind of best practice there. Last question. Does that change if you intend? So you're coming from a KYC exchange and you're going to a non-KYC exchange and you want to have an anonymous account on that non-KYC exchange. If you were going to send the entire balance of your wallet, 
um, do you, do you, would you still recommend turning the individual outputs and then constructing a transaction with all those outputs to send it to the exchange? Um, or or uh, would it be better in that one particular case if you're going to send your entire balance to combine all of your outputs first and then churn it? I generally recommend churning first, um, but it's definitely a very niche scenario. So it, it would depend on a lot of factors, but generally you'd want to turn that individual output first so that the output that you know could be tainted, that could be known from the, the KYC exchange has a much broader graph of potential places that it goes. Uh, and then if you combine outputs after that, if they don't know about the other outputs that you own in your wallet, uh, it won't really help them at all uh, in actually tracing at that point. But it, it would be best to churn that potentially tainted output first. One of the other broad recommendations that I didn't mention before is just that if you have funds in Monero that are potentially known, like funds from a KYC exchange, funds from like a public donation address that's tied to your name, I generally, like, I would recommend segregating those funds from other funds, kind of similar to how in the Bitcoin space people segregate KYC and no KYC funds. For this type of reason, it's much less important in Monero. And again, unless you're expecting targeted surveillance, you, you don't need to worry about it at all. Um, but it's one of those little things that, that can help down the line, especially if you have some fear of targeted surveillance now or in the future. Fantastic. Body, any other follow-up questions or you good? No, not for now. D Martian, what's going on, man? Hey, um, just had a, a question for, for Seth. Um, I actually have been looking at, at enjoying the improvements for privacy with, with Zcash and, and just seeing them go in the right direction. One thing that w before was that they had very few transactions that were shielded and it had a small anonymity set as a result of, of that uh, on Zcash. And I'm curious if that's been improving with the, the changes of defaults and wallets and how much it actually matters for, for Zcash uh, in Monero. Yeah, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head for Zcash since the upgrade. Um, and I don't know of a good place to find it. I'm briefly looking for it right now, um, but I haven't seen a, a clear place at the moment to actually follow that percentage change after the improvement. Um, I would assume that it's quite, quite a bit better than it was previously, but I don't have hard numbers on that, unfortunately. Um, if anyone from Zcash is around and, and knows that, um, I'm definitely all ears, but yeah, unfortunately I don't have the, the kind of the hard numbers behind that. Okay, sorry. I know you don't have all the numbers right on hand, but how much does it really matter as far as privacy goes in terms of the, having those anonymity sets? Um, I mean, one of the things that's important to understand about Zcash is that you don't have anonymity sets in the same sense as Monero in that if you are in the shielded pool and there's not a easily traceable, transparent um, parent transaction to that, you essentially have the anonymity set of all other transactions ever made in that shielded pool. Um, so you're not as harmed by transparent address usage as you could be in something like uh, Bitcoin, where it's it's a lot more problematic when people are not using privacy um, properly, especially if like you're using a privacy tool. I mean, a, a great example of this is Wasabi Wallet, where there are tons and tons and tons of cases of address reuse within Wasabi Wallet which harms the privacy of every other user in those mixes. 
and ultimately can lead to to direct tracing through wasabi mixes. Um, that is kind of uh, yeah, it's it's not even like analogous to Monero. Basically, because Monero uses ring signatures, everyone who makes a transaction helps every other person to gain anonymity because there's a broader set of outputs to draw from at any given time. So you gain better privacy as a whole the more people use Monero. Since you can't use Monero in a transparent way, every time someone uses Monero, you gain privacy. In Zcash, the only real problem is that when people use transparent addresses, they can harm their own privacy, either because they then don't go into the shielded pool or they do something like they sit all of their funds in transparent addresses. And when they have to make a shielded transaction, they immediately go into the shielded pool and make the transaction. Uh, and there have been cases of this being traced directly through in the past with Zcash because the timing analysis is pretty easy because there are so many less transactions in Zcash than Monero uh, on a regular basis. So that's more the concern there, um, but it's not necessarily harmful to your privacy. If you're using Zcash properly, if you're using shielded pools only, if you're only transacting to shielded addresses, um, your privacy isn't directly harmed by people using transparent addresses, even though you have technically a smaller anonymity set. Uh, it's very unlikely to matter in, in the real world. Okay, great. Thanks for explaining that. Good stuff, man. Seth, you running out of steam? How you doing? <laughs> I'm pretty tired, but I can I can do a, a couple more if people have a couple more questions. Vanessa, go ahead. Awesome. Thank you for, for continuing to go, Seth, and for the great conversation. I really appreciate it. Uh, the question I had was around uh, Zcash and the signing ceremony. And I'm not exactly 100% sure what that entails and how it affects privacy of Zcash, if at all. Um, so, it, you know, if you know a bit about that, we'd love to learn some more. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I assume you're talking about the the trusted setup, um, which was a camera, what they called the the ceremony itself, but there was some name for it. And they did a few with the, the previous versions of Zcash. Um, but basically what that did was that gave them cryptographic material that they could use to instantiate Zcash to start to use that protocol. And that was necessary for the approach to privacy that was taken by Zcash in the early days. It's not necessary anymore. The current version of Zcash after the recent hard fork doesn't require this trusted setup anymore. Um, the risk with the trusted setup was not actually a privacy risk, but it was that if the people who participated in that ceremony uh, colluded and they worked together, and they combined the, the different pieces of cryptographic material that they had, they could print funds uh, infinitely. There would be no restriction on printing funds, so they could just mint Zcash as much as they wanted. So the issue is actually more of an inflation issue than it is a, a privacy issue. Um, as far as I know, even if they colluded, they couldn't undo any of the privacy provided by Zcash. Uh, it was just a, an issue of them being able to inflate the supply and to be able to do it in a way that couldn't be detected because of Zcash's privacy properties. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Julian, go ahead, man. You got another comment? Uh, yeah. Uh, 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 one more. One more remark. Uh, basically, the, the the biggest problem I see with uh, like the transparent addresses it's similar to like the the problem that I see with like transparency in other chains generally. Is it it gives basically regulators or like yeah regulators uh, a way to basically use something like I would say like divide and conquer strategy in the sense that they say look you, you can have your 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 cryptocurrency we accept that if you just give up on this one little detail which is privacy and I, I actually heard people 
argue in that in that way. And so basically what I would be worried most about is, and I think that this is basically what was also like 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 talked about before, is that like at some point in the future, most transactions on Zcash would be uh, using T addresses, so would not be private. And then at that point, um, it would be easy to say like, look, let's not accept uh, like coins anymore, which came from private accept, uh, transactions. If you are like, I don't know, a good exchange or whatever, you can still use Zcash, but you're not allowed to accept coins that have a privacy history. And, uh, and that would of course effectively like basically kill the privacy pro uh, properties of the protocol, right? Just in a similar fashion as like now funds from Tornado Cash cannot be used anymore uh, on exchanges. And, and, and yeah, so yeah, basically that's, that's, that's a worry that I have about uh, unshielded addresses. Yeah, I definitely, I, I agree. And I think it, it does open that door to an easy way for regulators to pressure users to opt out of privacy. Um, I, the kind of the devil's advocate would say that the same can be done in Monero and that if regulators wanted to force Monero users to give a view key over to be able to deposit their Monero or withdraw Monero from an exchange, they could do that. Um, it's something that's that's possible, but there's a lot more of a technical hurdle. It's more difficult. It's much more difficult for the exchanges themselves to actually keep track of funds at that point. They actually need a lot more information than just view keys. There's a lot more complexity there, but the same type of thing could be done. Uh, and ultimately, the solution to that problem is opting out of a broken regulated legacy system where the regulation harms us, the individual user, and does not stop crime. It does not inhibit crime in almost any way. Um, and that's ultimately the way that we beat that brokenness is that we just opt out of it and we build our own circular and parallel economies that don't allow regulators to to stick their boot into our business. Um, and that's the most important thing, but also building protocols that are private by default that make it as hard as possible for regulators to have a a reasonable ability to say, hey, if you want to use this, that's fine, but just avoid the privacy piece. Um, and I think that is an important reason why privacy by default matters. But ultimately, we have to opt out of that broken system to, to really beat that. Fantastic stuff. This is a marathon for you, Seth. Chill, let's, let's finish off with you. How's it going, Chill? Hello, the enemy of Zcash. How are you? <laughs> I'm a bridge builder. I'm not an enemy. What well, you were called an enemy. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Did that change? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out later. But go ahead, Joe. What do you got? That was that was really good, Seth. No, I just I was agreeing with everything Seth said, and I just think in this age and time, there's no reason to use uh, centralized exchanges anymore. We have local Monero, BIS, Huddle, Huddle, Augura Desk, and e you know, the most easiest, I think, for for users is to go from Bitcoin. You can use Astico vouchers with Blue Wallet and just, you know, in Cake Wallet, swap it over. You have DEXs like Shapeship with Torchain. I mean, the world is your oyster <laughs> at this point. I was hoping um, Devrick shows up. And so we can <laughs> we can make the announcement about the integration he worked on, but um, I guess he's bugged down. <laughs> but uh, 
by the time Monero-topia rolls around, we will have a plug-and-play solution where even if you're a pastor or a busy nurse or you don't know anything about technology, you'll be able to just click on an app and run a Monero node, um, have a Monero Explorer, have your own private Bitcoin Pay server with Monero on your own server. Love it. I cannot wait to, to see that and, and help out where I can. Super exciting. Very cool. Chill. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a show where you guys can properly talk about it. Um, but yeah, awesome. This is fantastic. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad we got, you know, a good mix in here, not just Monero people. We got some Zcashers hanging out as well. This is what we wanted. Seth, thank you so much, man. Thanks for taking the time and being uh, so genuine as always, and uh, you know, objective as one could possibly be in, in their in their answers. We greatly appreciate your ability to do that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and uh, loved the the Q and A time at the end as well. It's, it's always really good to get really well thought out questions, uh, and, and definitely thought that was that was how this this went over. So. Hopefully answers were, were nuanced enough and hopefully didn't, didn't anger too many people. But uh, yeah, I had a, had a really good time walking through this. And the more time that we can spend going through the details of these kinds of discussions, the the better, because there's there's just so much detail and nuance that has to be covered to properly understand the, the trade-offs in systems like these. So thankful for it. Always good to, good to chat, Doug. And uh, thanks so much for setting this up. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. I'll just shield Monerotopia real quick. Thank I'm sure you. everybody knows about it already in this room, Monerotopia.com. We're holding a Monero conference in May. Monero plus other privacy tech. There'll be a lot of different uh, privacy tech projects participating as well. That's in May in Mexico City. Go to Monerotopia.com and grab your tickets. All right, guys. Cheers. Have a good one. Thank you, everybody. Peace out. Hi, Monero Land. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to our show on YouTube, Odyssey, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to MoneroTalk.live for a full list of places where you can watch and listen. If you want to interact with us, guests, or other podcast listeners, you can follow us on Twitter. MoneroTalk is also made possible from contributions by viewers and listeners like you. And supporting us is easier than ever by typing in MoneroTalk.crypto in your Monero.com or CakeWallet send address field to send us a tip. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to being back next week.